welcome and uh, happy Easter to each one of you. Um, I want to say praise the Lord. I haven't said that in a while. That's one of those things that we tend to say to each other on the phone or when we see each other in person. But praise the Lord. Good to see you all here this evening. And uh, I trust that you have had a great day um, remembering the Lord's death and most importantly, remembering his resurrection. Uh, I think God enjoys when we get around our dinner table, much like he and disciples and the disciples did when they celebrated the Passover and they, and we break bread together and we, and we share together. Um, perhaps you did some fun things with the children today and that's all well and good. Um, as long as we're remembering uh, why it is that we're celebrating. Um, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this time to gather in your name. We thank you, Lord, for this day when we remember you, especially Lord Jesus, for the ultimate sacrifice that you made. God, we thank you, Lord, that your love drove you to that cross, Lord Jesus, though we hate that you had to endure it. We are most thankful this evening that you did, for it means everything to us, Lord. God, we worship you this night, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Bless us, Lord Jesus. Touch us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I mentioned the uh, Passover festival that Jesus and his disciples were, were having uh, when he broke bread with them and he told them that things were to come and they couldn't get their brain around it. And it's at that very meal that, you know, we call communion. And he said, this do in remembrance of me, when that his body would be broken and his blood would be shed. <clears throat> and it's the events that unfolded after that meal that have brought us to this day, that we are celebrating even in our time in 2020. And so Jesus was born, as many of you know. He was literally born to die. He was God himself in the flesh on a mission on a mission to redeem his people. And about this time that we're picking up in the story, Jesus would be sent to trial, you know, accused of being God himself, accused for being, you know, some worker of evil, uh, all kind of things, just foolishness. Never, never found guilty, but nonetheless accused and uh, actually suffered the consequences of those accusations. Uh, and he was okay with that. He was, he was very much in control, though to his followers and those around Jerusalem and, you know, and the, the Romans, it, it, I'm sure that time looked chaotic. It looked out of control for them. In fact, that's probably most uh, one of the main reasons that they wanted to crucify him because he was a troublemaker. But Jesus was in control. This was all a part of his plan. In fact, he has said to uh, some in the scriptures that no man can take my life. I lay it down. And so Jesus was fearless and he was uh, focused on what his mission was which was to redeem you and I. And so through the trial um, and being sentenced to death by a horrific uh, form of death uh, called crucifixion, where he would literally be nailed to a cross, uh, hands and feet, uh, left to suffer, uh, struggle for breath, all those horrific things as people walk by that hill of Golgotha and, and, and you know, wag their heads at this, at this man and the, those others who were being crucified with him. I mean, it, it was just, it was horrific. I, mean, I can't even imagine that. What barbaric people. But anyway, 
that was one of the most humiliating forms of, of death uh, that the Romans had come up with. And so he was okay with that, though. He was okay with that because he was in control. And though they thought they were doing something to him, he was doing something to them, unbeknownst to them. And so he suffered that crucifixion. And the scriptures tell us in the Gospels that when Jesus died, he went down into the grave and he took those uh, keys of death and hell and he took dominion over death. And though the people who were on the top side of the earth didn't realize what was going on beneath, if you will, and I'm speaking spiritually here, um, to them it looked like all hope was lost. But again, things were playing out just as Jesus had planned. And so we're going to pick up the story in John 20 uh, when the followers of Jesus approached the tomb, thinking they were going to find this dead body there. Um, Prophet said, resolved, you know, in themselves that this was it. I mean, the, the one we thought was going to live, the one that we thought was going to um, take dominion over the Romans, the one that we thought was going to bring us freedom, the one that we thought was going to come in and, you know, bring victory. I guess we misunderstood. I'm sure they had that thought. I, I, I guess we missed it somehow. We misunderstood what he was going to do. Nonetheless, they loved him. And so uh, three days later, they go to his grave. You know, the, John 20 says early on a Sunday morning, you know, they go to his grave. And Mary Magdalene goes first and she doesn't find him there. And she goes and she finds the, the other uh, disciple. She finds Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And they come running to the grave. And when they enter his grave, they see the wrap, uh, the, the, grave, the grave cloths that Jesus was wrapped in, you know, just laying there. And the scripture says, then they believed. Uh, you know, Mary has her encounter with, with whom she thinks is the gardener. And, you know, she asked, the, the gardener asked her, you know, who are you looking for? And she's looking for her, her master. And then, and then the, the gardener speaks her name. And suddenly Mary goes, oh, Rabboni, Rabbi. You know, and he, she realizes that it's in God himself. You know, then later on that day or sometime after that, Jesus walks through the wall. He just comes in uh, into the room where his disciples are and shows him dealt to them. And they believed. Uh, and then Thomas, eight days later, you know, Jesus, again, he appears to them. And Thomas, you know, we, we beat up on Thomas, but we're doubters just like he is so often. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, come on, touch me. You know, put your hands in my side and touch these nail holes. It's really me. And they were shocked um, that he was here. And I say that they were shocked because there were these moments when they walked with him before, when Jesus would try to explain to them who he was, what he came to do in his own way, little bits and pieces. And, and uh, you know, he had said to them at one time that, you know, that this, you know, temple will be torn down, but will be raised again in three days. And, and they didn't quite get it. In fact, even the scriptures uh, foretold of such. But it was at these various points for each of them uh, on that Sunday morning um, that they had this revelation that he's not dead. He's very much alive. And they were, they were very excited about that. And at the end of that text in John 20, um, 29, Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those uh, who believe when they have not seen. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe when they, are, they have not seen. And that, my people, that's us. We didn't walk with Jesus. We didn't see all the amazing things that he did. We didn't see him, you know, speak to dead folks and say, come out and they come out. We didn't see him heal. We, we didn't feel his presence in that sense, you know, that, that um, the same way they did. Nonetheless, we each know that he lives. 
We each have, have had our own experience with Jesus. We know that he lives. We know uh, in ways that they didn't know um, to the same extent what that resurrection means. You know, you and I have each had our moment where we went about life. Perhaps, you know, we all have different um, spiritual backgrounds. You know, there were things we thought we knew about Jesus. I know I can speak that for myself. There were things I thought I knew about him. And then in he came. Then in he came at, the, at some interval in my life and, and showed me something more. Showed me something um, more about him that I, 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 I couldn't even fathom. You know, I thought I knew him. You know, I thought, well, let's say I tried to believe that old saying, you know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You know, I, I, it, it didn't jive, but nonetheless, that's that's what I knew. I, th I thought I knew him. Um, I, I'd heard the stories. I've been to um, Easter service at church, and, you know, when everybody's, you know, all donned in their Sunday best and their big hats, and, they, you know, and we and we sang the songs of Zion, and we praised him, and I, I thought I knew him. then he stepped into my life and he revealed himself he revealed himself as God and he made that resurrection mean something to me personally it wasn't something that just happened back in Jerusalem is something that's happening every day to those who choose to trust in him. He's literally resurrecting us. He's bringing us back from the dead. You didn't know it, but before Christ came into your life, you were a dead man walking. Yeah. But that those keys that he took from Satan, those keys that he took from death and hell, how do you want to look at that? Right? They're still in effect. We can walk free now because Jesus revived us. Jesus brought us back to life again. Yeah, we know we got to suffer that first death. It's appointed unto man once to die. We all have to go by way of the grave or unless he comes before then and we are caught up with him in the air. But we all got to, for the most part, we, we're all facing death in this humanity. But we don't have to face death the same way others face death. But because we believe in the resurrection. Our Savior is not dead. In fact, that famous verse from Corinthians that we love to quote at funerals, you know, oh death, where's your sting? Oh, great, where's your victory, right? That's why we get so hyped about that scripture, because we know what it means. So you and I, we're facing this pandemic right now, for example. You know, we are, you know, stuck in our homes, and, and death is all around us, right? And we're counting on that blood of Jesus to, to have it pass over. We're counting on that blood of Jesus, right? But Jesus was dealing with a worldwide uh, epidemic, uh, I'm sorry, pandemic, that had been from the beginning meaning from when Adam sinned up until the up until now up until the end of time right you talk about a pandemic right we're all plagued we're all plagued with the infection of sin and only his blood only his blood can wash us clean only his resurrection can bring us life and so I don't know about you but I'm, I'm particularly hyped this this Easter you know this preparing for this lesson or this uh, devotion whatever you want to call it has, has made me think about those events. Yes, the horrific things that Jesus endured. I hate how they treated him. When I read 
about his purpose. When I feel his heart from the scripture. Oh, that I would gather you like chicks under my wing. Right? The love that he has. That he has. Right? How hor horrible it, it must have been for him. To be treated the way he was treated. By the people he was trying to save. Think about how you feel when your children are disrespectful to you. And you go, I gave you life. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and, and trying to make ends meet. I'm trying to do for you. And how dare you speak to me disrespectfully? Okay, that's on a whole different level than having your creation disrespect you to the point of death, want to kill you. How dare you pick a thief over Jesus Christ? How dare you, you know, I, I'd rather have this rebel, right, than, than, than the one who's coming to save me. I mean, it's so much, you know, to beat him. You know, not, not just some little light flogging, but to beat him till his back was flayed open. To, to treat him, to spit on him? Seriously? And for him to restrain his response for the love that was set before it. You who spit on me. I'm looking at you with eyes of love. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I, I don't even understand that. I don't even understand that kind of restraint. But I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he did it. Because that means you and I you and I are no longer bound to death. You and I are no longer, you know, um, we no longer will face the grave in the same way. You know, not that any of us want to die now, but we know that when we do, we're like, hey, whatever, right? I'm going to wake up on the other side. Just like my Jesus rose, I'm going to rise. That's what the resurrection is all about. The resurrection is thus having the ability to come into newness of life when this thing is all over. That's what it's all about. What he did was very real. What he did wasn't just for some time. It is for all times. If you trust him, if you take him at his word, if you will repent, if you'll be baptized in his name, have your sins washed away, if you'll open your heart and receive his spirit, if you'll live a life that is pleasing unto him to the best of your ability, this God is going to take you home one day. And that home is not here. I know I spoke about that the other day. I guess I must have heaven on my mind, but things like this make, make you think about a better time. But he rose. We don't serve a God who was in a grave. You know, we can't go back and look at his tomb and, you know, there's no museum set up around, you know, um, looking at his body or his, his, you know, wherever he was buried, you know, no, he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. In fact, the scripture says, "Why?" Uh, uh, the angel said to the to the apostles, "Yeah, why, why, why look for the living among the dead? Our God is risen. We ought to shout about that. That means you and I can rise. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah, you can talk smack to death. Where is your sting? You have none, because our Savior lives." Because our Savior lives. 
our Savior has manhandled you. God has set his people free. So I hope that uh, as you continue on in your festivity this evening, you remember that. You remember that our Savior lives. You don't have to be afraid of anything. See, that's one of the things that, that his salvation brought. It brought freedom. One of the things that we fear the most in this world is death. And God said, I took control of that. You don't have to be afraid. I took control of that. Walk in me. Be free. You know, there's a, there's a thing. I just felt a shiver when I said that. But be free. You don't have to cower. You don't have to worry about anything. I am with you. From the grave to heaven, I am with you. We have the hope of eternity. We have the promise of eternity. Trust him. Trust him. This Easter, I hope you, you can, that this message has reminded you that you can do that. We have victory in Jesus Christ. I love you all, and I hope to see you uh, when we get out of these houses. I hope you see you back. I've been watching your funny things that you've been posting on uh, Facebook. I, I saw the different uh, gifts or memes, whatever you call them, of some of the things you're going to do. And I saw somebody had the, you know, the, had the church shout going on, you know, what they're going to do when they get out of uh, out of this quarantine and and hey, whatever. I'm I'm going to I'm going to propose to the senior pastor here that yeah, we make it a celebration, coming out, getting back together again, right? Because really, we should be remembering this resurrection all the time. That's what we do. That's why we come. That's why we're so passionate about this gospel, right? It's not about church attendance. It's not about you know. Um, you know, uh, just having service, just for the sake of having service. We understand the gospel. We understand what the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ means. And we want that for everybody. So if you're watching and you don't know about that, hey, put it on your to-do list to come by Newark UPC when this thing is all over. Right? Look us up on the web. You, you know, you, you can find us there. Right? Find some church in your neighborhood, country, wherever you are watching this broadcast. Right? And find out what these crazy Pentecostals are talking about. It's more than a notion. Trust me, we know about this Jesus Christ. We want to share that with you. Anyway, I'm going to stop now. There'll be a whole other message coming out of this. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us this day, Lord, of what your great sacrifice made, that you were the Passover lamb, Lord Jesus. You were the one who was sacrificed for this entire world. You would that everybody come to salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of all. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for your compassion, for your mercy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, and God bless you. We're gathered together today, this time electronically, to remember the resurrection and to celebrate it with communion. At the end of a recent presidential press conference, one of the reporters made the comment that this would be the first time that we had missed celebrating Easter. In reality, we celebrate Easter, the resurrection, every week when we get together. And I'll say more about this a little bit later, but you may go ahead and uh, get whatever it is that you are going to use for communion. It doesn't necessarily 
have to be uh, unleavened bread and, and, and grape juice, but we'll get a little more on that later. Now, the early church had to make some decisions about when to have the yearly celebration of the resurrection. Now, the crucifixion and resurrection are closely tied to the Jewish festival of Passover. Under the lunar calendar that the Jews used, Passover could fall on any day of the week. So the decision needed to be made, do we follow that method where the, the Easter, the resurrection uh, celebration could come any time during the week, or were they going to use the scriptural uh, first day of the week, which is our Sunday, and just fix it to a certain time of the week and then let the date float as it would uh, from other considerations. Well, we all know how that worked out. We're doing it normally on, on the Sunday. Uh, much of our remembrance, any remembrance, is tied to symbols, particularly with the resurrection. At the First Communion, or as it's also called the Last Supper, the things that Jesus used to fix it firmly in our minds, in our memory, were things that were already on the table. So those things may not be available to you today. Not just what uh, uh, is in your hand gives the meaning, but what's in your heart in your head that brings us to the place where we are really remembering what is going on. So if uh, you have something liquid and possibly something made of grain, you're well prepared to remember. May I share a story with you that comes out of World War II? A couple of soldiers had been captured in battle and were being held in a POW camp. Conditions were harsh, rations were meager, but somehow at some point one of these men managed to get a hold of some juice of some sort and an extra dry piece of bread. And the two of them decided that Though it was not grape juice and it was not the unleavened bread that they were used to, that under these circumstances they would go ahead and have communion with what they had at hand. After the war, both of these men in separate testimonies told of the fact that that particular communion service that just the two of them had was the most significant and memorable that they had ever experienced. It's not that we've got something fancy, we've, that it's like it always was. The point is that we are remembering. Uh, as those two fellas in a wartime POW camp, we are uh, to a much lesser degree, confined, 
many times away from our loved ones. We may not have available to us what is normally ours, but God is the same. We are still his church. He was still crucified, and he is still risen. Nothing really important is missing if we just remember. Now, if you are ready, let me read to you about this Last Supper, which we celebrate as communion, from my grandmother Cutrell's Bible. I think that ties us well to remembering. And uh, I want to read the, the story from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, and we will, in this reading, take our communion. Verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, as we are gathering together electronically and, and confined away from each other, as we take this bread of, of whatever sort, help us to remember that we are part of your body, that though we may be scattered in different locations and though this may be unusual to us, that in all things that are really crucial and critical, we are still one body, that we are still part of what you are doing in this earth. And that's because of, of your sacrifice that that's possible. Bless it, Lord, and help us to be a closer part of your kingdom. And after the same manner, he took also the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Can we pray? Dear Jesus, though we are doing things in a, in a different manner, unusual for our customs, Yet you are still with us. We're still part of you. Your blood still covers our sins. Washes away what we have no way in our own strength to do anything about. 
Your body broken for us buys our salvation. Your blood shed washes away our sins. Lord, help us in this time of, of a, an unusual situation that we could hold close to you. Be what you would have us to be. And somehow manage to be a witness, even in these confined days, that we could reach out to others and help them to know that there is hope and there is help and that you love them. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us. Bless those that are ill today. Speed their healing, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. And remember. At man darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted out again and he released the spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook, rocks flew apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. And many women, many women who had, who had come from Galilee, come from Galilee with, Jesus, with Jesus to care for him, to care for him. We're watching. We're watching from a distance, from a distance. Among them, among them, were Mary Magdalene, were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will repent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he is raised from the dead. If this happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Alex reply, take guards, secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Early Sunday morning, as the sun came out, Mary and the others went to visit Jesus at his grave. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face was shining like lightning. His clothes was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman don't be afraid, he said. I know who you're looking for, Jesus, it, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where the body was laying, and now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran, ran quickly from the tomb. They were quickly frightened, but also filled with joy. And they rushed to give the disciples from the angels messages. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priest what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe they told the soldiers you must say Jesus disciples came during the night while they were sleeping and they stole his body if the governor hears about it we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble so the guards accepted the bride and said what they were told to say their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, 
Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.